Hey, uh, welcome to Stoner. I'm Aaron Lammer. I read this article uh, in SB Nation about this ultra marathoner who runs really high. Uh, this is a topic that's always fascinated me. The writer, uh, Paul Flannery, actually went on some of his uh, training runs with him. He's also a runner and uh, experienced what it was like to run on the Colorado mountains really high uh, with one of the best ultra marathoners in the world. So he generously agreed uh, to come on the show and talk about it. You know, he's getting in touch. Hi at stoner.co. Here's the show. Welcome, Paul Flannery. Hi, Aaron. I read an article you wrote uh, with great excitement because it's on a topic that has interested me, um, but which there's very scant information available, uh, which is alluded to in this article. Uh, you wrote uh, about a long distance runner uh, who trains while high. And I've always been interested in exercise and weed. And uh, I, I, I like this is literally the first thing I've read by someone who is a journalist on the topic. Yeah, there, there is a body of work out there that is um, I took an edible and then tried to go for a run and I went up running around in circles. Yeah. And I, I get so annoyed by those because one, I'm a pretty serious runner. I'm not as serious as Avery Collins, the guy I wrote about, clearly. And few people are, but I'm a pretty serious runner. Yeah. And then yeah, the other part is like, dude, what do you expect? You take an edible and you're <laughs> gonna you don't know what you're doing. Like, come on, you know, like so that really annoyed me that that was out there in the world and it was always sort of like making fun of it. So I wanted to I wanted to give it justice. So I wanted to get out of that. And you know, Avery made that easy because yeah. I mean, the dude is an ultra runner. For those of you who read the story or haven't read the story, I mean, so he's a really good ultra runner too. Yeah, like a championship level ultra runner. Yeah, and he's just starting to peak. I mean, he's won a bunch of races recently. And um, so, yeah, so he made it really easy because despite being 25-year-old and, you know, kind of a little bit of a stoner, like he's he's a pretty responsible dude. So he took really good care of me while we were, while we were on this run. Okay. So I want to start at the start. So you're a pretty serious runner and to someone like me who is a like below beginner runner. Um, like, I don't know that much about like the distinction between like a pretty good runner and like someone who can win these races. So this started for you when you, um, did the Boston marathon yourself. That's right. That was my third marathon. And I had built a lot up to running the Boston Marathon. I live I live outside of Boston. And that had been a goal of mine for like five years. And I my initial goal was to qualify for it. So you have to get it. The qualifying times are, are pretty difficult. I failed in my two attempts to qualify for it. Not by much either, which is really hard when you run a marathon and miss by like a couple of minutes. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, Does that dawn on you like while it's happening? Oh, or yeah. do you only find it out like as you look after you cross? Well, the first time I did it, I, I, I'm, I'm mad at myself because if I had just kept going and realized that I wasn't going to get it, I would have had a better time. I finished like 322. I w was trying to run 315. You know, I got, I got defeated. The second time I did it, I was on pace. I was cruising. And then at mile 17, I was like, nope, not today. <laughs> so, so the only choice then is, you know, are you going to finish or are you going to pull out? And, you know, my family was there and I'd put a lot of time into it. So I decided to finish. And that one was a little bit easier to deal with just from the standpoint of, you know, I really kept a pace and I was cruising and it just wasn't in the cards for me. So long story short, I got into the Boston Marathon through a back door through a um, uh, a charity entry that a friend of mine helped arrange. And wow. you know, the day itself was really bad. Um, like bad weather. Everything. So like the, the runner thing here, so it was really hot 
and you start very late in the day as a charity run. You start at like 1130. So that's a really weird time to do that kind of – usually you're starting like 7 or 8 in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. So you got a lot of energy that you're burning off before you even get started. And then if you've ever experienced the Boston Marathon, you know there's a lot of people. And a lot of those people aren't really out there to run it. <laughs> They're participating. And the first six miles was basically like dodging and running around people. So I couldn't get a pace until like mile six or seven. And by the time I got to the midway point and saw my family, I was like, I am in big, big, big trouble. And it was a slog. It was re- it was hard. I finished in just under four hours. I wanted to run 3.30, which doesn't sound like that much, but really that's a pretty significant fail. It does um, to me. Fail. Yeah, it's a fail on my part. Okay. That really, it crushed me. It crushed you. And at this point, like, was weed at all a part of your life? Yeah, but not in the running part of it. Got it. And, and so, like, it was just sort of something that I did afterwards or whatever. Um, and, and, like, as and, someone who's, like, running this kind of distance, like, trying to run a 330, do you think about, like, smoke in your lungs and, like, what that's going to mean at mile 18 into your pace or anything like that? No, not really. <laughs> I mean, you know, because so I, we could – I don't do a lot. Like I'm a pretty like grown up um, cannabis user in general. Yeah. Um, I, I really try to modify and 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 very microdose is probably the the phrase of the day. Yeah. But um, you know, so I'm not going out there with like a full head like whoa, let's get let's get weird, man. Like you know, I'm I'm pretty calm and relaxed, and I don't race high. I never have. And neither does uh, we should say uh, Avery Collins as we will uh, That's true. we will get to. Um but my assumption is that r- with running uh 99% of your running is not in a competition, it's in training. Like the races are a very small portion of the actual time you log running. Right. I run about 5 to 6 times a week depending on how my body feels and 40 to 50 miles a week. Um I just ran my first ultra actually. I ran a 50k couple of weeks ago, which was great, you know, so yeah, racing is a very, very, very small part of the equation for me. I probably run a handful of like five K's locally a year and try to pick like, you know, a half marathon here and a marathon there. And now that I'm, now that I'm doing the, the, the outdoor stuff, like out in the woods, now I'm looking for these bigger races. So how did you, uh, how did you bounce back after this, uh, humiliating defeat in the Boston marathon? <laughs> well, what was interesting, Aaron, was that, um, and I, I, somewhere there exists a version of this piece where I get into all this, but it just became too much. It was like too much of, of like me, like laying out my therapy, you know? Um, but essentially what I believe happened was that in the course of running this race, the Boston marathon, I had to make a decision with myself to basically shut everything down in order to finish. And in order to do that, when I finished, I felt nothing like not pain, not relief, not sadness, not joy, not anger, not anything. I felt literally nothing. And that was a really, really weird experience to have, especially at a race like that, where, you know, they give you a medal and you're walking around and everyone's calling you a hero and you know, you're great and this. And I felt like, I felt like nothing. And is that like your brain just breaking down after like the most intense thing you can throw at it? Exactly. And you know, my brain had decided that I wasn't going to run a good race. And so in order to finish it, I had to basically be like, shut up brain, <laughs> like, and shut, shut, shut up emotion and shut up everything. And I had a really hard time turning it back on. And, um, honestly, I knew I had this story coming that I was excited about. And I was like, well, 
what what's gonna happen if i try this i was like whoa (laughs) i'm back (laughs) so like when sb nation decides they're gonna do they did like a whole weed issue and you're you write for them you're a runner you're like who is the like weed runner guy like you immediately like pair it to your your hobby of choice I found Avery about a year and a half before I went out there. Uh-huh. Um, I had read some of these stories. I was like, oh, you know, I'm just interested. Like, these are two things that I'm really interested in, you know? Yeah. And um, so I had kind of been tracking him for a while. And I pitched it. And actually, I went through, like, several editors <laughs> before it finally we, we finally got it together. But, you know, everybody liked the idea. I mean, it's a great – it's a pretty good idea. You know, go out to the woods and, you know, run high, see what happens. So, and, so what was it like when you actually, like, got on the got on the course? Did you call it a course? Uh, what do you call it? What do you – the, the trail? What, yeah, the trail. The what trail. I ran with Avery? <laughs> uh, see, there was a lot going on there because – at first, we're at altitude, right? 10,000 feet of altitude. So there's a very real possibility that I wouldn't be able to do it at all. Yeah. Like physically, I just, and we knew that. And he was like, look, if we can't do this, we'll just go for a nice walk in the woods. I'm like, okay, cool. So that was the first part. So I'm, I was I was concerned about that. Plus, you know, then as soon as the run starts, I'm thinking about like, how, how does my body feel? How am I adjusting to this? And I had never been to that point in my life on something like this, which is basically we ran up a mountain. Yeah. And that's not something you get in New England very often. Um, so the whole experience was so new and overwhelming that I'm not even sure how much of a factor the cannabis played into it other than like everything was heightened because if you were out there, it's going to be a heightened experience. Sure. And have you also tried um, marijuana or any THC edibles or anything in just sort of like an everyday, you know, log in those 40 to 50 miles on your own uh, capacity? No. I never have. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, mainly because access to edibles is limited yeah. where I live. Um, but also because in very, very small um, examples, I have, you know, like, whoa, this is a powerful thing that we're talking about. And, you know, um, I like to be in control of things that are happening to a degree. Um and like, I feel like there's a time and a place for everything and running through the woods is not necessarily a time to be like, let's see what's going to happen now. Right. I'd rather have a pretty good plan. And how do you think it works for someone like, uh, Avery Collins, who's basically like, this is part of his practice. This is like what he has been doing for a period of years in a like repetitive, uh, pretty locked in, um, uh, pattern of, uh, using marijuana in training. So he does a very, I mean, he's way more tolerant than me. Yeah. Um, like everyone else so, in Colorado. Right. <laughs> so, you know, he's got all his little different ways. I mean, he likes to get, he likes the head high. He likes to take a hit from a bong, shall we say. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then go do his run and stuff like that. But he does other things too. And he's got, you know, nut butters and all these goodies that you can get out there. And, and, and that's how he does it. But you know, I told him, I was like, yeah, that was the only thing I did while I was out there. He was like, I may have had a little bit more. <laughs> you know? yeah, he like sprints, um, sprints I, like a mile ahead of you and takes a bong hit right. and then it's just waiting for you <laughs> on a boulder. Right. And so, I mean, you know, I, one, I'm recording an interview. I'm trying to keep up with this elite ultra runner. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot going on in those moments. Did you decide like how fast he was? You guys were gonna run. Like he's not running at his like, f- his, like full training speed when you guys are running. 
Oh, God, no. I mean, which was great because Avery, you know, there's a thing in, in like Roadrunners, which I was for a long time, gets so competitive and edgy about this stuff, right? Showrunners are like, hey, come on, let's go for a run in the woods. <laughs> and like, who is he trying to impress? I mean, the dude wins 100 milers and 200 milers and re- finished sixth at Western States. Like, like, <laughs> you know, um, so he said, listen, he said the first bit, we're going straight up. We're going to power hike. And I didn't even, I wasn't even familiar with the term. I'm a lot more familiar with it now as I've gotten into this, but we basically power hiked it. And then when we got up to the top, he was like, okay, you lead. I'm like, are you serious? You want me to lead? He's like, yeah, take it. And so he let me sort of establish through. And the only time that he really took off as I make note of it in the piece is when we start the ascent, the descent, I'm sorry. And he hits this rock and he just goes flying through the air. He's like a cartoon character, like pinwheeling in midair and just coming down, just like ripping down the mountain. I was like, whoa. That that was insane. Then he he jogged back. He was like, sorry, man, that's just a lot of fun. Can I just say one more thing about Avery? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So Avery is a really interesting guy. And part of the trick in the storytelling here was trying to weave two stories into one, which was my experience and also his life. Right. And, you know, so I left it. The piece kind of ends with me being like, dude, I sometimes these things you say, man, they don't sound real. So in the last six months, Avery and his girlfriend have quit their jobs, uh, left their apartment. They got a camper and a truck and they are tooling around America. And he's, as he puts it, going wherever the mountains call (laughs) and they are living off their running income, which is not much. Yeah. I mean, a big thing that you get it, get into in the story is like, um, the drug testing is kind of ridiculous in, uh, ultra running because there's so little money in it. Like, there's no money. Like you're, they're right. spending a big part of their budget testing people. There's not even really like a prize when you win one of these races. You get a belt buckle, you know. Um, so the last time I talked to him and he was in Malibu, and then two weeks later I was like, "Hey, are you racing in April?" He said, "Oh yeah, I just won this 54k in the Virgin Islands. I set a new course record, and Sabrina won the women's race." <laughs> like, dude, <"Did you> rule. <laughs> you know. Um, it seems like there's a secondary component that's going on um, with some of the more like out there movements, like possibly in Colorado, but also nationally that like a big part of what's going on with your body. If you're training hard is, is recovery. And you describe with Avery Collins, this like pretty insane routine of like multiple hours with like a robotic roller massaging your muscles <laughs> after every run. And you hear about this stuff. Like I know you also have uh, written about the NBA. Uh, like you hear about like LeBron and people who are just getting into some like really avant garde, recovery routines and the other side of the marijuana coin is people using cbd in these um these instances um especially if you're like you know basically going through recovery every day of your life uh if you're taking these kind of runs yeah there and you know it's i have experimented a little bit with some cbd as i've been traveling um like a rub on uh, and it i found it to be effective um, I am not a doctor kids, but I found it to be effective. Yeah. And I also am someone who I played baseball in college, then like division three, let's not get carried away, but I played baseball and I really messed up my arm. I was had a sore arm constantly. I used to eat Advil like they were candy and you know, you're in college, you do dumb stuff. Right. And so I would eat like a dozen Advil a day and I don't like taking it. You know, I don't like how it makes me feel. I don't like how it affects my stomach. And so I've become sort of, you know, a little bit of a naturalist on this kind of stuff. I've found it to be helpful. 
but I also deal with pain. I mean, I do yoga and I do my own foam rolling and I do a lot of stretching and I like it because it's a nice addition compliment to my running. But like, I'm not going to come off like a big 15, 20 mile, you know, training run and come home and be like, ah, take me away. Cannabis all is well now. <laughs> like it's not, it's just not the way it works. Yeah. It's more than just a little thing you need to take your mind off of. Right. Yeah. It helps with the pain a little bit, but what it does actually, Aaron, which I found fascinating was it engages my mind in a way and it works for me. I, I don't know if it works for everybody else, but it engages my mind in a way so that the stretching is more meaningful. I, I develop that, you know, mind body connection when I'm running and when I'm stretching and when I'm doing yoga and things that, you know, an experienced meditator yogi can get into those trances and those right. states. And, you know, I, it, it's just very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And when you, when you looked into the existing writing medical research or whatever, like what, like what can one learn about exercise and marijuana at this point? Well, the fascinating thing is this notion of endocannabinoids, right, that are in our body. They're these little molecules. They float around, and they are the cannabis. I'm going to totally screw this up. It's okay. But all the science on the show is fake science. <laughs> right. And all the junk. Uh, basically, they mediate the effects of cannabis in your body. And for years, everyone said, you know, endorphins, endorphins, endorphins. You know, you run, and it could be like a half mile, and you just kind of feel good and free, and you ran, and you feel good. And, right. Um, the endorphins the are runner's kicking. high. The runner's high. It turns out it's not that, actually. Um, a lot of the research is showing that the endorphins are just too big to pass through um, the blood-brain barrier. And so while endorphins can give you that sort of like kick of feeling good, it's like an opiate. It's like, oh, I feel really good right now. But then that goes away. The runner's high is more about the endocannabinoids. And I've had runner's high. They're amazing. They're great. They're a lot of fun. Um, and you can get into that mindset and you can get into that space. And I found it to be a little bit easier to get into that space. But that was true at first. The more that I did it and incorporated it into some runs, it was like, okay, like the magic has kind of worn off. And now it just becomes like, you know, a, a part of the, the, the trading experience. Yeah. I mean, in some ways that mirrors um, a lot of people's experience with exercise as a whole. I certainly have experienced like you know, you're out of shape. You go like run, work out a few times. The first time as your body starts kind of getting back into like motion, you often can experience those kind of feelings of highs and you can get it a few times. You're like, holy shit, it feels great. I'm going to do this every day. And then like the third day, you don't really get it. You actually have to push yourself like significantly harder to keep like getting these kinds of rushes. Um, I assume that like any sort of a pattern like that ultimately gets dulled in a long term training regimen. Correct. And I think that was also, you know, going back to the Boston Marathon a little bit was I did all the training like I did it. You know, I did three 20 milers. I did them in extreme cold. I, you know, I was at the NBA all star game in New Orleans and I did a 16 miler like on Mardi Gras, like down the parade route, you know, in like 85 degree. Like I did all the training runs, but I wasn't really engaged in them. And so what I found is that that element that makes it hard when it becomes hard, we kind of want to be like, eh, OK, I gave it a shot you know, that's when you got to push on through. And that is a little bit of a lift that I got from, from cannabis. 
because it was just like, okay, like, you know, you're not feeling great today. How about we go a little bit slower and then tomorrow we make a big push? Yeah, okay, you kind of make little bargains with yourself and you get to know your body a little bit better and you understand it better, you know, when to push it and when to pull back. And, you know, and you get a little bit more creative instead of just doing the same run over and over and over again. Hey, let's go out and do this and let's do it from the other way. Let's run the loop backwards. Oh, cool. You know, like there's a new thing that I just did today. Um, so that, you know, it just sort of like unlocked this creativity that I had in terms of my running and my training. What's going on in Massachusetts right now? What's your day to day vibe like uh, nowadays? My life basically revolves around being in NBA arenas. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I never do anything ever. <laughs> and actually, I mean, honestly, like I have never really particularly enjoyed like being high with people, um, a handful of friends, sure, but I don't really like that sort of like, hey, let's get stoned. Yeah, like you know, like watch the Cheech and Chong marathon or something. Like I, that's never been me. Um, How do you handle like when you're like going city to city? You're, uh, you know, seeing different games, going back to like the hotel at the like, uh, arena or at the airport. Like, how do you, how do you handle that sort of emptiness at the end of the day? What's like, what's your life like? Much better now than I used to mainly because I discovered meditation. Um, so all these things that we're talking about really kind of fit into a big box for me. Mm -hmm. Um, some of them were fine, like being fit was nice, eating better was nice, cannabis is nice, yoga is nice, but then meditation kind of like tied it all together. And that has really helped me because you're right, like it is a very lonely experience. I'm very good at eating by myself. I know how to get a seat at the bar. Um, and, you know, I like to read a lot and that sort of thing. And, you know, so it's, I run. You know, when I was in, I was out in Portland um, in March doing a piece on Damian Lillard uh, with the Blazers and we had a day off and I, you know, I went out to uh, Forest Park and did like an amazing trail run out there and I was like, all right, I feel good now. So yeah, all those things kind of helped me out a little bit, uh, but it is an empty life. It's a hard life. Do you, um, do you have any advice for people sort of showing up in new strange cities that may or may not have legal weed? uh, jogging, um, jogging on their trails and parks. Like what, what's a good way to see cities kind of in this? Like, I don't know where I am or where I'm going and I'm trying to zoning out and like sprawling out into a new place. The Google is great. Um, because you know, every time I go to a new place, it's like, Hey, where are the best places to run in Portland, Oregon? You know, and pretty much most cities, you know, if they have water, that's usually a good sign. Interesting. Because they'll, They'll probably have a track that runs around it, you know, like a mixed use path or something like that. Um, you know, and what I've discovered now that I like running out in the woods a lot more than I like running on asphalt and concrete is that becomes a little bit more difficult to, to maneuver. But with a little bit of planning, you can pull it off. Um, but my other thing is just like, just be respectful. Like you're a guest and you see that a lot with runners like, Oh, I'm a runner. And you go barreling through. It's like, just, you know, chill out. Like, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not trying to qualify for anything here. Just, you know, take it easy. What's the current state of weed in the NBA? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of talk, incredible. We don't talk about that Eric. <laughs> well, it's kind of incredible. Like we have, you know, teams in these cities, like a city like Portland, which is not a huge city which is like a real center of this stuff. And it's like legal there. And uh, I don't expect that there is um, a huge belief that like the NBA's uh, marijuana policies are going to change a lot, but like, I don't know what, like uh, you're on the NBA scene. Uh, like, 
what's what's the relationship of marijuana in the off season or is it a is it a thing it's definitely a thing i mean people just don't talk about it and every once in a while you see a guy get suspended for five games sure. which is a pretty it's a pretty good tip off or in the super uh, bowl you see someone not playing and right. you never really you know how many things do we not know about for each thing <laughs> that we do know about you know right I had a sit down interview with Michelle Roberts, who leads the union over the all star weekend. And I asked her about, you know, look, you know, it's 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 medically cleared in a lot of states. It's legal in a lot of states where your players play and your and your players travel the world like they're citizens of the world. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about this? And, you know, her point was twofold. One was it is. It is on the band's substance list as, you know, collective. So that's a collective bargaining issue. Right there. Yeah. And then the other part is she said, look, I don't want my players being targeted. This is her words, targeted and busted by some fed. Yeah. And so I guess she counsels them to just be like super, super careful. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's just not worth the risk. My sense is I, like, I don't know. I don't know the politics that well. Um, I think that if they could remove it from the list without it being like a huge production, they probably would because I think, you know, look, NBA players in particular, and I'm around the NBA a lot. I'm sure it's true for other sports, but they travel a lot. Their bodies don't stop. They're not normal human beings. Yeah. They, you know, they, they're going 20 hours a day. They don't sleep a lot. And the kids, I mean, I call them kids because I'm now twice their age and they are kids. Like (laughs) they are, they're freaks. But also the weed is the least of it. I mean, we're definitely hearing about people like going and getting their like blood platelets, like repumped and like you know like people are doing some pretty extreme stuff with the human body uh hyperbaric chambers you know um and that's you know that's only what we know about um this is basically benign comparatively i think if you got um you know front office people in an in an honest moment they'd be like okay cool man you want to you want to sit in your suite and play video games all night? Nice. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's so it, much better than 90% of what you could be getting yeah, into. Yeah, like if the NBA could like ban nightclubs and like allow <laughs> weed, it's like it's a better deal in the long run. I mean, we like literally have like almost every season something major hinges on people going out after games, the after effects of going out after games, um, people getting arrested out, out drinking at night. It's a pretty, it's a pretty interesting cultural idea of going around to different cities, playing a game till midnight and then being, you know, on your own at a hotel, as you see is your where while you're meditating, what is everyone else doing? I know. Right. And I mean, look, I mean, you know, I've been around I've been around sports, pro sports for a couple years, like 20 plus years. And like, you know, like what goes on the road, you just keep it there. (laughs) Okay, at the end of the show, uh, I like to play a little uh, a little quiz uh, where I ask uh, all my guests the same question. Uh, Are you game? Do you have do you have a couple more minutes? What is your um, current favorite way to enjoy marijuana if you do? Like, what's your what's your ritual? What's what's your method? So I am old school in this. Um, I, I, I enjoy the one hitter. And uh, to, to give you an idea of my level of consumption, that'll be it for like the day. Yeah. You got one of those like one hitters that like looks like a cigarette kind of. Yeah. 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 This is like probably the same one I had in high school. Classic product to sell at a gas station in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, I'm kind of old school on that one. And uh, yeah, but I try to I try to be I try to be as discreet as possible. I also have a PAX. Uh, what's a place uh, somewhere that you visited in the world that's special to you? Oh, man. So we go to Italy yeah. every couple of summers, um, which is a very long story I won't bore you with. But it's essentially in my wife's family that they have a place in this enchanted hilltop village that they've had for years. My wife grew up going there. So every two years we go and we have our own wine and we wow. sit in our garden and, you know, just eat amazing food. And that's basically what we do. We just eat food and drink wine and that's it. Um, I'm going to ask a follow-up question just because uh, you seem the right person to ask it. Um, what's um, one run that is memorable, one run that you can recommend anywhere in the world? There's so many. Oh, my gosh. Um, I will tell you that when I was out in Portland, Oregon, I went to, uh, which I mentioned before, I think it's called Forest Park, which is a great name for a city park. And it was raining as it rains in Portland. And as I got in, I saw Forest a Forest Park runner. sounds like it would be the name of the park in like SimCity. Right, exactly. And I said, uh, you know, I saw a trail runner and I said, hey, you know, I'm from out of town. He said, oh, here's what you do. Take a left and then another left and just go. I was like, okay. And I did it and it was awesome and so, so, so simple. It required so little local knowledge that if that's something you're into, that would be one. That's a trail running mecca. It's awesome there. Also a potential running question. What is a favorite snack that you can recommend? <laughs> um, I eat a lot which is kind of great. That's the best part about running, but I live on almonds. I don't know if that's really a snack. No, we get a lot, we got a, not a lot of nut love on this show and it's uh, there's, there's nothing disqualified about the common nut. <laughs> almonds, cashews, cliff bar now makes this nut butter thing. That's like basically like a chocolate bar. That's just delightful. Uh, can you recommend a stoned viewing experience, TV or film? See, here's here's where it gets bad for me, Aaron. I don't watch anything except for the NBA because I have to watch it all the time. Can you recommend a stoned uh, team <laughs> to get NBA League Pass for just their games? The Warriors are pretty fun. That's <laughs> that is who I have NBA League Pass for. No, they're a lot of fun. I'm from I'm from the Bay Area, so I, I'm a Warriors fan, and uh, it's not really any fun anymore. Like to publicly be a Warriors fan, but uh, I know it's still fun yeah. to watch games. It's not really. It's not like really like it's such a wet towel. And ultimately, Anthony Davis is worth the price all by himself. There you from go. New Orleans. There you go. Um, what's one thing in life that you are uh, still looking forward to? Oh man, so many. Um, so I have a, I have a, I have a child and he's, he's young. Um, I think he, well, I know how old he is, but yeah, he's, he's, uh, <laughs> he's like he's, uh, under 10. He's between, he's between, yeah. He's between four and five. And last weekend he said, daddy, I want to go for a run with you. I said, okay, sure. And so he actually did it. He ran, we ran a mile to, um, see my wife who was working at a yard sale. We had a little snack, we hydrated and he's like, let's go. I'm like, okay. And people were just dying on the trail watching him because he was, he was serious. And, uh, so I want to go running with him. I want to go, you know, th that's something that I absolutely want to do. Tell me, uh, where, where people who want to read that story can find it. Right. Um, it's, I'm not sure where you can find it. You probably hit Google and, uh, Paul Flannery, SB nation, how cannabis is fueling one of the best runners in America. Yeah. Avery Cox. Um, and yeah, it, that, that should, that should pop you, up you'll, for you. You'll find your way there. And how can people who would like to find you, uh, follow you on Twitter? I am at P Flans with two N's, um, which is, uh, it's generally, if you like the NBA, then you might want to be a Twitter follower. Uh, well, thank you so much uh, for this interview. Oh, this was great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I love talking about this. 
thank you for listening to Stoner. Uh, this week's episode was edited by Justine Dom, who also helped produce it. Uh, the theme music is a Ted Lucas cover by Francis and the Lights. All of our uh, logo work is done by Mickey Duje. Uh, thanks to him. Thanks to Francis. Thanks to all of you out there for listening. You can get in touch. Hi at stoner.co. That's H-I at stoner.co. See you next week.